What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, and I'm joined by my good friend, J.W. Crewall. J.W., how are we doing today? Riley, doing great. How are you? I am doing spectacular, my guy. Just thriving in quarantine. You... That's right. I mean, we got it. We're, we're there, right? Where we're kind of inundated. Now, what was not normal before is the new normal. <laughs> I guess so, man. I guess so. Have you done anything cool to pass the time in the past week or so? Let's see. My wife and I have been playing a lot of board games. We checked a few out from the library, wow. which means that we will probably have them for potentially the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, you know, it's you know has its pluses and minuses, I guess. But, um, yeah, we have this one game called Scythe. And oh yeah, it is that's like, a popular one. It is like the most board hardcore board game. Right. That it's you super complicated, ever... isn't it? I mean, it's it really. I mean, it is, but it also isn't. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like if you know how to play these kinds of artisanal board games, then you'll <laughs> understand what's going on. But I could only imagine for a new player, you know, because it's like, and then I move this where, and then I do what to this, and it unlocks this ability, and it just gets right. kind of convoluted i you know for a new player a lot of text and things like that the rule book actually is funny so we set it up on day one it took the whole table the whole dining room table and you you know how big that is but it took the whole dining room table and then day two we read the rule book and then day three we played the game that was like the sequence oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> you know, because Anne was Anne was doing a bunch of stuff at work, and she was like, "Okay, I can only handle so much." And so we spent like an hour putting it together, hour reading the rules, and then we played on the third day. So it was it was pretty intense. Oh man! So but did you end up winning? I did, but I think I had a broken I had a broken team. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I feel that for sure. And I, and I took advantage of Anne, you know. It was her first time. It was my first time playing, but I was like, let's just be really aggressive and try to end the game really quickly. And I think with my faction, that ended up being the correct choice. Interesting. So So. what's your uh, what's your favorite board game that you've played recently then? Well, we've been playing a ton of and if anybody has been listening to my streams, I've been raving about this game, but we've been playing (laughs) Terraforming Mars. Right. Have you played this game, Riley? No, but you have lightly told me about it we will have to play it is probably my favorite game of all time wow (laughs) like maybe second to pokemon but even then it's like hard if i had to get rid of oh my gosh yeah no it it consumes our life we're actually in the middle of a game right now (laughs) where we were trying to play one really quickly and then you know we're doing the cast now so it's just consuming my life the the (laughs) I think what really does it is like when when the art style of the game, the concept of the game, and the mechanics of the game all work together in tandem to For produce sure. just this beautiful, um, thought-provoking piece of art. And it's a lot of kind of building your resources, but then spending to get things and then it's kind of territorial with the board and there's just a lot of different ways that you can play it a lot of different ways that you can approach the game and that's what makes it fun and engaging and makes us want to play it over and over that's awesome yeah i'll i'll be excited to check that out one day 
<laughs> and it's definitely one of those games where like playing it in person is the one of the biggest joys of it like you can do it online and it's probably fine online but like just feeling the pieces playing everything down it's just no, honestly i'm like a i don't know if i want to say purist but i like to play board games in in person you know yeah it's an experience designed to be a board game i want it to be in board game form you know right if it's designed to be a computer game that's fine i'll play it on the computer with my friends but right you know it has to be built to to that audience i feel like and how about you what have you been up to i i don't think i've had anything as exciting as a revolutionary world bending (laughs) board game experience but uh you know i've been i've been having fun i've been playing a lot of animal crossing um, Uh and that's been pretty cool i uh also been playing a lot of team fight tactics which is the most frustrating game of all time i'm pretty sure um i i could rant forever about the way that they balance and uh and build team by tactics but uh, i have fun still um my friends and i hover around diamond uh, brady got in masters yesterday and then fell out today so he's back in diamond with the rest of us <laughs> what's the what's the like ranking system for tft i played a little bit when it first came out but you know never put that much time into it to learn all that stuff um it's basically elo but hidden uh and it's hidden the it's masked in the form of like these leagues and uh league points and um but basically it's elo and it's tiered off into different tiers and so it goes from like iron to bronze to all the way to diamond and it follows a pretty natural progression there like silver gold platinum diamond um and there's masters and then the top 200 masters are challenger um and challenger changes every day depending on who the top 200 actually are Um, gotcha and they actually just announced like the competitive thing they're planning to do with tft so they're gonna bring the top x amount of players for a qualifier event and so based on your ladder ranking you can get invited to that um and then you'll play off to go to the world championship which is pretty cool um i don't think i'm really in contention for anything like that but i think it's a fun game and i'd be interested to watch and see how that pans out is so you say when brady's in master is he like in contention or was in master is he in contention for something like that um maybe one day i think uh (laughs) I think Brady and I and all of our other friends who, who play are, are still a little bit short of reaching that skill level. Um, but I guess you could, if you port it over from Pokemon, we're like the kind of people who like are very interested in like learning from mistakes and getting better at things. Um, and of course, you see that applied here in tag team all the time. And so, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I would love to apply that idea that i use in pokemon to another sort of competitive outlet in the meantime um when tournaments are a little more sparse um a little less sparse a little more sparse sparse is like not often yes well there are no tournaments now right so it's very sparse (laughs) it is very sparse (laughs) wait wait say say your sentence again hold on i said a little more sparse yeah but in reference to what tournaments the tournaments now are very sparse yeah they're so they're more sparse <laughs> not okay, <less>. whatever <laughs> I, whatever i i just i guess i misheard you in in context <laughs> i don't i don't know what you're on man 
<laughs> well, speaking of which, though, there is actually a tournament, not a sanctioned one, but a tournament coming up this weekend. And I think you're on deck to be participating in that, JW. So um, if you haven't familiarized yourself with it from the past couple of weeks, we've referenced it a couple of times. But there's the Limitless Qualifier, which is an online incredibly large pokemon trading card game tournament um kind of the first of its kind really and a really ambitious project really excited to see how it pans out but it's going to be in the sword and shield format uh, kind of the one that we abandoned midway through in favor of quarantining ourselves in our homes and (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm not sure exactly how it'll pan out but jw i know you're looking to participate what are your initial thoughts on what this tournament will look like well, I'm really excited again, like I've been saying the last couple of weeks, I, I participated in the first iteration of the tournament. That one didn't quite go as planned and they ended up having to move it back a couple of weeks. But um, this Saturday, looking to play somewhere around 18 to 20 rounds of Pokemon, depending on how many people sign up. And um, that should be really fun. I miss playing best of one in such a wide uh number of rounds that was the format for regionals when i first started we would play somewhere around um you know nine to 12 rounds depending on the size of the tournament and that was always just fun because you went there you played one match and then you were done it wasn't like now where you know you kind of have to suffer through a second match if you're (laughs) in a bad matchup you're just like okay yeah you won and like you get out of there and it's you know no big deal i feel like it was a little more casual back then now best two out of three is a little bit more strategic which also has benefits but um i don't know it just it reminds me of when i first started playing and that's kind of a cool thing yeah certainly a wholesome take on it what are your thoughts on like the nature of best of one with more rounds versus best of three do you think one is uh like more reflective of skill or a superior tournament format or do you think you know they both have obviously they both have their own merits but yeah uh, do you think one is just a little bit better and stronger in those regards or what are your thoughts yeah i i mean i think best two out of three is pretty standard just for about any competitive um game you know or obviously you would rather have like best of a hundred, but at some point you have to uh, cut it for time. I think one of the major issues that we're looking to avoid that we kind of saw in the two plus rounds of the original limitless invitational was how long rounds would take. I think maybe the people at, uh, you know, limitless, whoever was running the tournament, maybe didn't anticipate there being, you know, these issues where, they two players would go to time and then they need to call in a judge and the judge would have to resolve a dispute. And, you know, that just takes time and adds to rounds. So uh, even though we're on a 25, 30 minute timer, uh, certainly there will be some kind of extensions going on between the rounds, whether it's just to get things paired or resolve a conflict. I do anticipate the, uh, tournament to go on the longer side of a projected <laughs> amount of time rather than the shorter side so when you say uh, the longer side do you have any sense of what that might look like well i mean if you're thinking you know there's a 25 minute timer like 30 minutes on each round we're saying 20 rounds i mean then you're looking at 
at minimum 10 hours. So I would say like 13 to 14 hours potentially. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a lot of Pokemon. So It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> would you have preferred it if this was like a best of three with, you know, nine rounds into a, you know, seven round day two or something? Um, potentially, potentially, I think you just still get into these disputes. Like you'll get into maybe since it's so, um, and again, this is so unprecedented that it's hard to like give specific thoughts on what it will exactly happen when these players play these games. But, um, I think you would get into more disputes on time sure. in time disputes, just because there's so much more on the line. Um, with a there's so much more investment just personal investment in right. a best two out of three that's fair that's fair it's also so. you know two or three in 50 minutes is a significantly more difficult to complete than one in 25 to 30 minutes. although although in in the defense of best two out of three is that it's all online so you're not wasting time shuffling you're not wasting time you know even so much as like reaching over the table to grab your opponent's discard or something like that i mean there is like physical time saved so in a sense absolutely you know in a sense it it could work um but i'm just excited to see what happens i'm I'm willing to go in it for the long haul and uh try to come out of it alive (laughs) (laughs) so you know we talk a lot about the meta i want to specifically talk about like higher level of meta like actual real life like metagaming this tournament do you think there is potentially and i'm inspired to ask this by actually a post in chat about whether or not they should play control for 13 hours do you think that you know with the duration that we expect this tournament to last that maybe the type of deck that you choose could be informed by that uh i don't want to say like grind but that um extended duration of time that you'll be playing Pokemon? I mean, it, it's fine. Cause I think a lot of times, especially in a tournament so big that you're seeing a lot of maybe the, the mid and top level players just not playing in. I think that you will have like a fairly easy or straightforward, you know, maybe first five to 10 rounds where you're just facing, I don't want to call just people random, but just there's going to be a lot of people that normally wouldn't attend a tournament that are going to be playing in this online invitational. So I think you'll have a pretty easy path for the first, you know, five hours <laughs> if you play a control matchup. But then beyond that, it might get a lot more difficult. So I think control would be a fine thing to bring. And actually, I would recommend it if you are proficient with control. I think it's a fine play for this tournament. Okay. Okay. So now we're getting into the realm of actual recommendations. Uh, what do you think the meta is going to look like for this tournament? Do you think it's going to be another ADP Zacian dominated format? Do you think other decks are going to finally rise up and pose a challenge? What's, yeah, the, what's AD- the deal? ADP for sure is the deck to beat, and I expect a lot of players to be playing some type of uh, variant of it or some type of counter to it. I think it would be extremely unwise to play a deck that's either not 50-50 or favored against ADP or um that isn't adp itself in fact that's the deck that i'm gonna play i've been pretty open about it i was thinking like you know maybe i play a control deck maybe i play adp but i'm pretty sold on adp just being the best deck uh that 
is in this current format and potentially one of the best decks that I've ever played. And so with that in mind, I just like the consistency and uh, the power of the deck. So I expect that to be one of the most played decks for very obvious reasons. And then following that, you know, counter things, stall things, but you'll see people playing um, cards and techs specifically for ADP. The biggest that comes to mind is any type of energy disruption. So yeah. things like yell grunt, things like crushing hammer. Um, you're already kind of seeing crushing hammers just go into any deck that can fit them. Like for the mirror, you put crushing hammers in. In Pikaram, you put crushing hammers in. You're fitting extra yell grunts into stall decks. It's just kind of all for ADP and in response to ADP. Um, and so I, you know, I would expect that to be the same in the invitational. So you expect that to be the same. Do you think it's the correct choice to play such heavy counts of cards with the sole purpose of improving your ADP matchup? I mean, yes. I would imagine that of the... Let's just round it out here and call it 20 rounds. I mean, it might be 19. It might be less, more. I don't know. But uh, 20 rounds, I, I would expect at least 10 of those to be against ADP. So Wow. Yeah, that's an impressive meta share. Is there anything that you're doing with your ADP deck that makes it stand out amongst the rest in the mirror or outside of it i mean there's not too much to say that hasn't already been done but in response to things like the hammers and the yell grunts i would um play one or more one or two energy switch i think that's a card that's uh pretty strong right now in the current meta given all of this uh energy disruption so having the one or two energy switch gives you that out in case of a first turn crushing hammer that you can still get the next turn um uh gx attack and beyond that you know there are even some games where you can get the turn one gx attack which is uh, just huge yeah so no kidding man especially in like the so. mirror going second exactly right right <laughs> where you can pull that kind of out of your out of your butt <laughs> watch your mouth there bud <laughs> i know right this is a kid's show for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I would agree. I think ADP really still remains to be the horse to be reckoned with. It's kind of a deck that I don't really like to play, not because I don't think it's good, but because everybody goes in hating it, and it gets very frustrating to run into the counters. So I would like to venture a little bit outside of ADP as well, because I'm sure there are listeners who feel the same. Uh, what are some other decks that you would consider to be in the top tier that are worth playing in spite of ADP's dominance. Sure, I really like Blacephalon, the baby Blacephalon. I think that's a fine choice. Um, I think it's a little bit too reliant on, again, where the whole meta for me is warped around ADP. So uh, the counter for baby Blacephalon into ADP is Beastbringer. And I think if you get that card on, you know, the turn that you need it, then you have a pretty decent you know, even if not favorable matchup, but if you don't end up getting it uh, or your board just kind of clunks up or, um, you know, you can't really get an attacker going, something like that, then it becomes a lot more difficult to win. So I like Blacephalon if you are feeling confident with your ADP matchup, if you're feeling confident with, you know, having one, potentially two B-Springer in the deck to take down that initial um, ADP when they GX, then I think you're in a good spot. I also really like stall, as we mentioned, things like um, just Sinchino, 
uh, base stall or Pidgeotto base stall. I think those are good choices for this tournament. Yeah, and that's it's a uh, it's funny how Pidgey has kind of come back from the ashes as being a potential stall archetype. It felt like the uh, the mill had really taken over, and all of a sudden you see people starting to warm back up to more of a Pidgey, uh, methodical, Oranguru based control deck. Um, mm-hmm. With decks like that, is there anything in particular that you would recommend playing in them to improve their matchups against the field? I'm I'm not too sure. I I haven't put my time into Pidgey based stall, but I can say for Sinchino, they you know probably would want to play their four crushing hammer, which is very standard, and then uh, at least two to four counts of uh, Skull Grunt or okay. Yell Grunt, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely insane the kinds of measures you have to take to make yourself have a consistent way to keep that ADP GX attack from happening. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've also seen a lot on the ladder of uh, Malamar, and I've been playing Malamar a little bit myself. And I, uh, from what I gathered, just just information from the last tournament, the last Limitless tournament, that there was a you know very sizable contingent of of Malamar, and I think uh, when we get kind of in our little echo chamber we kind of dismiss malamar at least i'm not a very big proponent of that deck and i think that's not the case for many other players so uh expect to see you know malamar adp blacephalon stall i think those are probably my biggest four that you should be prepared for heading into the tournament yeah it's funny it feels like all the time we talk about malamar as a deck that will probably be popular and see a lot of play but it feels like very rarely do we recommend it as a deck that you should play <laughs> uh, and that's kind of how i feel going into this tournament uh, yeah i feel like people overestimate the latios into the adp matchup it's... it doesn't it so it doesn't always work out the way you want it to and then there are a lot of <laughs> right. there are a lot of like there are a lot of issues just just with the Latios, you have to have four bench Pokemon. And if ADP, you know, goes first, then you only have the one turn to get five Pokemon out with an energy attached. You know, it, it's just, you need a lot, especially if you don't start with the Latios, then you need a switch card to get into it. Um, you know, there's just a lot of qualifiers for the Latios. And then if the ADP player plays something like Absol, you know, then it just gets even more difficult to pivot out of, you know, whatever you started with, presuming it's not the Latios. And then even if you do get the Latios attack off, there's like a very real chance that you still don't win the game. So it's, um, you know, just because the ADP player can can gust, they could play Fion, Lysander Labs is very helpful. You have a Latios Things like on Big board. Charm. You know, things like Big Charm can um, augment the the math that the Malamar player is trying to play with. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Of course, on the flip side, you know, Malamar can do good things and can definitely win the matchup and they can definitely get the Latios off uh, before you get an ADP GX attack and, and, you know, pretty comfortably win games. But I don't even know that that's, um, that's not a risk that I would be willing to take. I would it's agree risky. for the most part. And part of the reason I've explained this to a couple of my friends, it's like, you know, if you only get off Latios, let's say 50% of the time you get Latios off. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less. Um, let's say 50% of games, you, you get the Latios guaranteed. Um, 
in some amount of those 50% of games that you get the Latios off, your board is going to be so jank trying to get that Latios that you're going to lose anyway. Maybe you only got an Inke down or two down and the ADP gusted it and now you have one Inke and you can't really do anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another percentage of those games, the ADP will just overrun you anyway, which definitely happens. Uh, you're sacrificing two prizes off rip basically with that Latios. Um, and like another percentage of those games, you actually win. And so, yeah, like you're sacrificing. It's not like you clear vision and you're guaranteed to win. If that was true, right. it'd be much more reasonable to say like, okay, you know, like let's let's just right. shake and bake. Let's do this. Right. But uh, because you don't win every time you clear vision, it's like, it, to me, it seems fruitless, I guess. Like you're putting in all this effort to beat this matchup. And granted, Malmar does have some good matchups elsewhere yeah but it's yeah, like such course. a it's such an inherently inconsistent deck that it's like i don't know why like malmar can even lose on occasion to uh like david cephalon and sure when it gets to that point it's like why why even play malmar you know I yeah just... i mean i guess just that you would say malmar doesn't have any overwhelmingly positive matchups like that I'm just thinking of off the top of my head. Uh, maybe, certainly you can build your deck in a way, just I'm talking generic Malmar. Certainly you can build your deck in a way to beat certain things, you know, better uh, than others. But, um, you know, generic Malmar just has a decent shot against the field. So that would probably be why anyone would take a Malmar deck. Uh, but again, just not the deck for me. One thing that you were talking about that I really uh, kind of resonated with, I was doing a coaching this afternoon and I was playing Malamar, and I was in this exact situation against an ADP where I wanted to get the Latios off. But to do that, I had to bench a Mew and a and like a Meowstic or a, what's the what's the evo- non Esper Esper. And I had to bench those two, and those are just completely dead in the matchup. <laughs> and so while I did get the Clear Vision off, I still lost the game because I had you know two non-factoring Pokemon on my bench that kind of clogged it up and uh, prevented me from, you know, building up more Malamars. He was able to gust up some Malamars and take those out. And all of a sudden I had this extremely weak board state. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like I see that happen all the time with Malamar players that are going for the clear vision. Um, one thing I will say, um, if you're going to play Malamar, I think having a probably at least one, maybe a two count of the Mimikyu is going to be very helpful um, I really yeah. like the two if you're going to be against, if you're expecting to play against a lot of ADPs, like just take those dubs, man. Like <laughs> knock out those Ashians or at least give yourself the best chance to, because you're not going to win if you're leaning into Giratina. That gives them so much time to gust and figure out an alternative game plan. Um, right. And you really don't want to give a deck like ADP time to figure out an alternative game plan because they right. probably have right. a right. And I, yeah, that's definitely something that uh, I like that you hit on here because there are, ways that you can build your deck to beat certain matchups and uh or beat certain matchups a little bit better and so one of those ways in the adp that you can improve that matchup is of course to play more things that can one shot a uh azation exactly so just a thought just a thought for sure um i would not personally recommend malamar but that's something i would consider if i were to play malamar I, sure. I'm also a big fan of the Babel Cephalon deck. I think it's uh, it's pretty strong. It plays Cramorant, which inherently makes it a better deck, I think. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, Welder is 
it just rocks man who doesn't love playing welder <laughs> <laughs> and of course though, it's fun for by sure. playing welder you also open up those games where you don't hit a welder for like five turns and do nothing so yeah <laughs> but i think of, of the uh of the top decks that are also just very fun to play i would put blacephalon right up there just because one shotting in that way like getting resources to hand is super fun i'd say like adp plays off the board really well uh but blacephalon plays out of the hand and generally speaking just playing cards from your hand is going to be a little bit more fun you know blowing something up for 300 damage is just more fun to me so um it's just it's it's the definite it's the definite run hot deck uh for the weekend but uh, i would expect a lot of players to do really well with blacephalon for sure for sure do you like Stefan's list? Have you made any modifications to it since that came out? What are your thoughts on how to build Baby Stefan? No, I think I think that's a really, really good start. Again, we're just talking about minor counts, but I think uh, Stefan has done just a great job, and and I don't think that there's, you know, I think a lot of other players have kind of followed his lead. Yeah, for sure. I would agree. I, I think Stefan has like 59 cards, maybe 58 that I would just inherently agree with and a couple that i think are slightly more debatable but uh, what would you what would you change riley just like some very minor things like attacker counts and like adding one alternative attacker stuff like that um i think the original list didn't have a victini prism and i like having that as an option maybe it wasn't victini but some sort of like alternative attacker of that nature and maybe it was Victini. i'm like struggling to remember yeah, I think I think his list didn't have a Victini. Yeah, I liked having it um, for the mirror mostly. Um, yeah, because being able to recover all those energy in the mirror is insanely good. So, sure. um, but other than that, I think it's like a pretty good framework to work with right away. So I would definitely recommend that list. Cool. cool. So I think that's that's probably like the top ish kind of decks. I would I would kind of like to look at the flip side though. So last week we talked about the worst Pokemon. What are some of the worst decks that you could take to this event? What are decks that you would absolutely not recommend to a listener? Uh, Frostmoth. Frostmoth for sure, for sure. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend Pikaram. Oh, okay, that's a little more of a hot take. So that's, what that's brought more you of a to hot the Pikaram hate realm that you're in right now? uh it just well i don't know i i get into this kind of like it feels to me you know (laughs) this is all just a big a big art form but um it feels like uh, it just doesn't have the doesn't have the staying power um you know you're seeing at least i've been seeing a lot of mew come back into decks and so uh it's just Obviously, Mew is one thing that was missing from a lot of these decks that's now coming back that is just such a huge hindrance to the Picaron deck. Um, if you don't expect people to play Mew, I mean, then that would be one more reason to play Picaron. But I just haven't found that Picaron, even getting the turn two full blitz, like isn't beating as much of the things as I want it to be. So why do you think it struggles in that regard? Is it just damage output? Is it consistency? Is it uh, listed inefficient attackers? What's going on with Pikaron that's like making it fall short of the mark? Yeah, I would say the inefficient attackers. I've been finding that just... And then late game hand disruption. So inefficient attackers and late game hand disruption I've been finding are just two of the biggest um, struggles for the deck. Interesting. It's interesting to call it hand disruption because I feel like Pikaron 
is one of the decks that takes best advantage of hand disruption. So, and also right. I feel like right. hand disruption in the meta has kind of fallen, fallen mostly out of favor. So why do you call it hand disruption as being one of the major issues? Well, I just think of like a Marnie and just getting stuck with the wrong hand in the mid and late games with Pikaram um, can be really devastating because you're relying early on your Dedenes for setup as opposed to a deck like Zacian, which would rely, you know, could rely later in the game on their Dedenes to uh, find their last pieces. I often find with Pikaram that I'm using my Dedenes to try to get the full blitz off, but then I'm filling my bench. And then in the late game, I just don't have that extra dig power that I would want. That's fair. That's de- that is definitely true. Uh, Pikaram loves to use the Dene for turn one and turn two. It feels like. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so I can't help but agree with you there. I was going to say that I think the Electra power is probably where it starts to struggle in the late game. Like consistently sure. KOing uh, those dang exhaustions gets to be tough. Well, especially now that you see, you know, two counts of. Um, the the frying pan you know in a lot of zashin lists and just getting over that damage cap that 250 damage cap is just really tough uh for pikaram in a lot of cases on the flip side though you know people like andrew are testing out the wait and see hammer and similar such cards like crushing hammers and the like sure that uh obviously are very annoying for adp to deal with and uh if they prevent the altered creation then it gets a little awkward for ADP because the math starts to get really weird. Sure. Do you have any thoughts on on that? And do they improve Pikaram at all just because of the ADP matchup getting better? Or do you think the deck still kind of lives in this unviable state? I, I don't think it's unviable. It's just like not a deck I would... Like of the four decks that we said were the best calls for the tournament, like Pikaram is for not there for me. I think if you want to play it, you know, by all means do it but it's just not the deck that i've been finding has been getting the best results and even you look at a deck like you know little blacephalon i think you uh can take a really tough matchup into that again kind of depending on whether or not you can get a full blitz off before uh they can just start one shotting your things but i just don't think that the field is very favorable and then you think about malamar that's also like a really tough matchup for you so even if you're really confident in your adp matchup i think you struggle against those other two decks yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair um it's tough it's tough to balance that out i think so is there anything else that you have as like a high level thought about the meta and how you'd approach it can't say that there is i i do feel like this meta has been you know pretty pretty well thought out pretty um pretty just just smartly done uh in terms of the list that people are creating and where we've kind of molded this format now as soon as i say that i'll leave the door open for something to come out of nowhere but um i think zation is just such a dominant force that it kind of blocks out a lot of other ideas from from being viable um and even yeah we were just talking about this earlier in the cast about how you have to construct your deck in a way to have you know a shred of a hope against adp it's just amazing how this deck has um has shifted lists yeah that's for sure i think when Yelgrunt starts to be included in lists you know that adp is maybe a yeah. little too much <laughs> for sure because <laughs> that's definitely not a card that cracks like initial thoughts of the top 10 cards from sword and shield that's for sure no not at all (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, one thing I found interesting is the complete falling out of favor of the Mewtwo Malamar deck as well. Yeah. Uh, that felt like it was a huge Sword and Shield archetype that was hyped up. It felt like people thought it had a decent matchup against ADP. And then it kind of universally became out of favor. Do you think there's any reason that deck isn't a viable play? I couldn't really tell you. Um, you know, potentially the uptick in Malamar, from my perspective, uh, potentially figuring out that it wasn't really that good into ADP, um, you know, is another thing. But I, I couldn't really tell you. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't really know either. I, I was never a huge fan of that deck. Uh, mm-hmm. But... I thought it was odd how quickly it seemed to disappear after it was introduced when people loved it sure. so much ahead of the format being released. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think just it it ha- struggles with some of these consistency issues. And then uh, you just bench so many GXs that the um, that even if you're able to kind of like tank a few hits, I mean, they can always just go around you and snipe off a bunch of things on the bench um you look at things like again the baby blocephalon that has a decent you know shot at just one shotting you on turn two and uh it can just get really hairy with the mewtwo decks now i do like uh the henry brand version mm. of the mewtwo list I, I again i wouldn't ever play it nor would i like say yes this is a top tier choice and like one that i would say to everybody to play i'm, I'm not saying that but if you're comfortable with it i don't think it's a bad play sure yeah, that deck's tough to play as well. It's just uh, quite now the... that's yeah. I think I'd rather play stall for twenty rounds than to play the the Mewtwo deck for twenty <laughs> rounds. <laughs> that might be true, man. That, there's a lot going on in that deck, and it's hard to keep track of it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, outside of that, is there anything that you'd just like to say about approaching this tournament at a at a higher level than than playing cards? Any recommendations for? Maybe players who don't go all too a lot, or maybe any tournaments who this is going to be one of their few experiences. Yeah, well, if you do, um, if you do want to make the most of this tournament, then I would just say take it seriously. You know, this tournament is going to feature a lot of uh, good players, a lot of players that do want to win, just as much as I mean, there will always be people that don't care as much. Um, but you know, if you want to do well, just take it seriously. And I know I'll be playing uh, my games. I will probably stream them, but during the match, I think I'll be, you know, devoting as much attention to the match as I possibly can. And um, if you want to do well, I would just recommend that you do that as well, because we're just at home. You know, people are probably sitting at home on their, on their laptops and their PJs, you know, clicking away, see card, play card mentality, uh, not really caring, you know, it's a free entry, but I mean, you know, there's there's money on the line. And uh, if you're going to devote that kind of time, you know, of course, you do with your time what you wish. Uh, but <laughs> I like to have fun and also win. So uh, if you're like fun. me, just take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, I think winning's fun, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I think that's a pretty good overview of the tournament. Uh, so to recap everything that we said, uh, we think that... Malamar is the best deck in the format, followed by <laughs> ADP Zashin. More realistically, though, it's ADP Zashin is at the front, and yeah. you know, trailing behind it, I think, is Blacephalon, and Malamar is also a, a popular choice of the crowd, for sure. Absolutely. Does that sound right to you? That sounds about right. Nice. 
So, <laughs> unfortunately, I think this meta has been like pretty well analyzed. So it's like hard to, it's hard to have too crazy of a hot take, right? Because it feels like a lot of angles have been hit, and uh, I don't know if that's because of the amount of time that we spent just playing online, or if the meta actually would have sh- would have shifted if there was more real life tournaments. But uh, right. ADP right. definitely stands at the top for me by a long shot. Yeah, I think we're just a lot like set in our ways too. Um, it does feel like since there's not, you know, there is this limitless tournament, but it and it is bigger than a lot of regionals. But you know, the the importance of it in the grand scheme of things, you know, it, it is not quite there. You know, there's no championship points on the line. There's no. Uh, prizes that could compare to like winning originals on the line uh really all you're getting is like if you win 200 bucks and some clout so um (laughs) you know which you know cloud is pretty nice gotta say cloud is pretty nice but um it i i think there's less uh innovation that that'll occur just because people are kind of i have my deck i know that this works well enough and i'm just gonna i'm gonna roll with it i'm gonna take it seriously but i'm not gonna like invest an insane amount of time to like try to try to go hard and try to test. So, um, you know, I, I, I expect kind of more of that here in this tournament. Sure. Sure. And I think, and you know, you can stop me if you think I'm wrong, but I think all, just the nature of an online tournament kind of inherently will make it feel more casual and make people less interested in, I don't want to say like trying their best, but like putting forth the maximum effort possible because there's no sure. longer that, that physical investment of like going to a location. And uh, I mean, I could just be in my underpants on my couch, you know, Oh, this card is glowing, <laughs> drag it onto the screen. And exactly. And, and just like having, you know, and then maybe you're sending a work email on the other screen or something, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's going to be all this stuff that comes at you from multiple different angles when you're at home, that just doesn't happen to you at a tournament. And so, uh surely surely that'll be a factor again if you want to do the best that you can try as hard as you can to block those kind of um annoyances out and uh, just focus just focus for sure i was uh i was kind of thinking that uh i hope this opens the door right for more similar kinds of things to happen in the future because i feel like mm-hmm. we have an opportunity now to cultivate an online kind of gaming culture in pokemon and now's the sure. time to really take advantage of that, right? And and make that into a reality. You know, Pokemon Company obviously doesn't really have a ton of investment into it, it feels like. But uh, certainly, there are tons of other games that rely entirely on grassroots communities. And I feel like Pokemon has a chance to do something really cool here. And Limitless is kind of leading the trail on that. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to see how it goes. I hope you do well. appreciate it appreciate it Riley I know you'll be there the whole way cheering me I'll definitely be cheering you man I'll definitely be cheering you (laughs) (laughs) I'll definitely be hoping that you have the stamina to survive yeah you're a little bit of a boomer I must say well yeah you know as soon as it gets about to that like two or three o'clock hour I start you know looking for my blankie like taking a nap you know starting to think about taking a nap so we'll see if we can make it on that whole Saturday God, imagine falling asleep like between a round or something. That would suck. Dude, yeah. And that's another reason to play a quick deck is that you can uh you know, yeah, you can just Rest chill. <laughs> yeah. 
take a shower. <laughs> take a little power nap. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Take a take a walk, maybe. You know, actually use your physical body for something. <laughs> for sure. Well, I have a standing desk now, so I'll probably play a lot of my matches standing. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not just sitting for like 12 hours straight. Can't do that at a real Pokemon tournament. That's true. Take advantage <laughs> of it while I can. <laughs> Imagine someone just standing and playing cards. I did that once. Really? Yeah, was it, like it was a at a table, tournament or? in Northeast Ohio. I think it was probably at recess. And they like didn't have enough chairs. Or they had like plenty of room, but there were just so many people that came that they ended up having to put us on these like standing tables that are for... Um, like miniatures I don't know. And stuff? I, I think like yeah yeah figures yeah I know, um, I know what you're talking about I know the place you're talking about too yeah 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 <laughs> so it was the it was pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember wrong. if you did if you did well you got to sit and then if you did poorly like if your record was bad <laughs> then you had to stand <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of extra incentive right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> that's funny that's funny yeah, definitely don't make the players do trying their hardest and doing their best stand. But right. that feels incorrect to me. Right. <laughs> cool. Well, I don't know. Do you have any other takes that you'd like to present about the Limitless tournament and what it's going to entail? Dude, I've just uh, I've just loved what Limitless has done. It's very ambitious, very very ambitious. But if they pull it off, then that is just a huge blessing for the community so i'm very thankful that they have tried at the very least they've certainly rallied a lot of people um around this one cause and uh i just wish nothing but the best for this upcoming tournament and the whole series absolutely man absolutely so expect to see more coverage from us as these tournaments go on and develop um in the meantime though we'd love to hear some input from chat so we've kind of gone over our limitless tcg qualifier content for the day so if anyone in chat has a question they'd like to present we'll probably take you know four or five of those and then we'll move on to jw's after dark stream i see one question right now that i think would be interesting uh tweet asks when you're playing an adp deck what is a deck you hate to see or what are cards you dread seeing your opponent play yeah, I think the biggest thing is just the hand dis or the uh, energy disruption. You know, an ideal turn one for ADP is just literally just getting an attachment down onto an ADP. Uh, and then beyond that, you know, pretty much everything else is gravy. But uh, that's the, really <laughs> the only thing that you need as an ADP player. So uh, and so and so any type of disruption on that is is a problem. Um, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily a deck that I would hate to see. I mean, there are certainly some conditions of decks that I would hate to see. So again, we're talking about things like baby Blacephalon with a big hand, um, things like the, um, you know, Malamar having a bunch of Pokemon at the end of their turn in play, uh, just things like that. But that's, that's more kind of in game. I, I feel very confident heading into, uh, heading into the game playing ADP uh, against pretty much any deck. Sure. I think that's fair too. Um, that's how I felt as well. It's like, I feel like I have a good shot if that water energy survives to the end of the turn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you know, then my opponent rips out the wait and see hammer and it's just like, uh, 
they always uh, have it. I don't too. even feel like this anymore. And just like <laughs> gear concede. <laughs> like, I don't even, right. I'm out, bro. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's another thing too that uh, is really advantageous for um, for the players in this tournament is that we'll all get to see our opponent's deck list, so you'll know when that weight and seamer hammer is coming down and that can really inform a lot of decisions that you make. Uh, like as an ADP player, if I know that my opponent plays uh, crushing hammer or wait and see, uh, then I'll be more prone to try to dig for the metal energy attachment as opposed to the water energy attachment. Right. And so just, you know, little things like that, but you know, you can optimize your plays uh, that in ways that you normally can't, which I think is very nice. Do you think there are any cards or decks that are, perhaps harmed by the fact that you get that preemptive knowledge of your opponent's deck list? One of the, of the decks that we've been talking about, I think one that has more disadvantage than the others would be a deck like Malamar. You know, if they play one count of, um, if they play one count of Mimikyu versus two, if they play one um, Lana's Fishing Rod, versus you know zero or two uh how many spell tags they play all these kinds of little decisions are are pretty important uh for that deck i think yeah i agree so cashman 27 in chat asked can you guys see a surprise deck doing well in the tourney i'll leave this one up to you riley a surprise deck i don't know i guess it depends what you would consider a surprise um like, I don't see something completely unheard of doing well, but I could definitely see an underrated archetype doing well. I remember the other day, JW, you were talking a lot about this mill deck that you really liked, and I thought that was really funny. It doesn't seem like you're as interested in it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's good. I, I would say, again, I would say it was it was the, with the four Crushing Hammer and the four Yell Grunts, and I was like, hey, this has, you know, a pretty pretty solid shot against ADP and by pretty solid, I mean like maybe 55, 45 against ADP. So like not auto win by any means. Um, but you know, I, I was pretty hype about it. That was pretty good. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think the meta has gotten pretty far developed. Um, so I don't know if there'd be anything like truly shocking. Like maybe there'd be something a little bit of a surprise, like, um, yeah, like, like Obstagoon, Obstagoon could... was the first thing I was thinking of. Like, yeah, Obstagoon. <laughs> um, maybe like Dollstall could be something that does well. I think you know the the meta. If people are, especially if people are taking out um, the uh, Fion from lists, like Dollstall goons are some of the top, you know, middle tier that could benefit from something like that. Right. Exactly. So, uh, Cashman specifically calls out Rillaboom as a deck that he's been seeing do well online. You used to be really into Rillaboom, JW. What kind of happened there? Well, I thought it was super fun. I think it's a really, really fun deck. Uh, shuffling in all your opponent's energy is super cool. And if you can do that against <laughs> an ADP, you have a decent shot. Now, there are ways that ADP can play around it. So I haven't played the matchup against, like, um, in a testing situation and testing scenario where we're kind of, you know, going over the moves and, and preparing for that. So normally when I'm playing Rillaboom online, I'm playing against a, an ADP player that doesn't leave, you know, energies in the discard. And so when I shuffle all their energy back in, they can't metal patch back. You know, it's just things like that, that if you're playing in a, in a testing scenario against somebody that 
you know, is, is good and proficient at the game and knows what's going to happen to them, then they would set up their board in a way to combat what you're trying to do. But uh, Rillaboom, you know, fine deck. I mean, it's cool. It's fun. Do I think <laughs> it'll do well? No. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a fine deck. It's definitely not a deck that I... Um, yeah, that I hate. I mean, it's always going to be a fun <laughs> deck, though, for me. Do you think Rillaboom will get the boost it needs with something like the Rillaboom V? Couldn't tell you. Honestly, couldn't tell you. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm excited to dig. I'm excited to dig more into um, more into the sets after after this weekend. Maybe after the next two weekends. Obviously, there are some of the uh limitless qualifiers that will be in the new format and that is very very exciting to think about just because that'll be the only tournaments that will feature the new cards uh presumably so uh you know i am excited to talk on the cast about what is the future of the game with rebel clash and um certainly don't immediately think of rillaboom as being the (laughs) deck that gets boosted by the v but um at the same time who knows you know we just don't know until we can test for sure so i know that we're trying to say rebel clash for like another time is there anything very preliminarily that you think stands out from rebel clash yeah for me i i kind of like inteleon v max <laughs> that one seems pretty good like that's a of the things that are maybe not as hyped i kind of like inteleon v yeah um, i totally understand <laughs> yeah uh i obviously you know boss's orders scoop up net i'm really excited to see we were talking a little bit before the cast about my initial time uh, getting into the game where sps were a thing and the zigzagoon plus scoop up net is exactly crobat g plus poke turn and so i'm excited to see that combo come back in conjunction with um you know lysander which was a card i think printed around 2013 you can correct me if i'm wrong on that one but again one of my like earlier the one of the earlier cards uh in the game just that boss's orders parallel into uh lysander so i'm just excited to see these concepts be recycled uh to come back into the game um let's see obviously dragapult to me seems like the the card of the set seems like a very good card seems like adp retains its power and I don't necessarily love Toxicity. So I think what you're saying is if you still have held out on buying your ADPs and Zashins, <laughs> you should maybe consider rethinking that choice. Yeah, I, I would imagine the ADP probably won't get any cheaper than it is now. Uh, and then Zashins are coming out with a tin. So you just like might as well buy those. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, man. I think you're right. So. <laughs> Yeah, ADP doesn't seem like it's going anywhere anytime soon, in my opinion. Absolutely not. <laughs> very, very good card. Who would have thought? Broken card. <laughs> it was like ADP. It didn't feel like it was very good when it came out, and then it got the per- literally perfect partner. In well, it's it's all about context, you know, because I think you can have a lot of people say like, well, you know, JW Riley, you said ADP was like average to bad. And like it it was when it had the best partner as Keldeo, you know, <laughs> which couldn't even two shot a lot of GXs in a lot of cases. So uh, now it has just this obscene, absurd monster uh, inization that it powers up with. And the context of it now is way different than it was when it was first released. Yeah, I totally agree, man. 
it's a it's crazy how just the partner for a card can completely warp the perception of it and yeah. zashin has certainly done that zashin has really changed the game for better or for worse i guess remains to be seen but zashin is definitely going to be on the forefront of decks for the remainder of its time in our rotation i think yeah for sure it's just one of those cards <laughs> just one of those cards cool so i think that will bring us about to a close for today thank you all so much for listening we appreciate you all we hope everybody is staying safe and healthy at home during quarantine and feel free to reach out to us on twitter if you have any questions or are looking for us to cover anything on future episodes of the podcast that's at tag team pokemon and if you're listening on any of your podcasting platforms particularly on apple podcasts be sure to rate and review us so that way we can continue to rise in the ranks and be more viewable and accessible for people looking to get into the pokemon trading card game and with that i'm riley holbert my good friend jw crewell and we'll catch you next time peace see ya